Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Roshvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Amy Cheatham. Amy is an early stage investor at Costa Nova Ventures. She evaluates and leads investments in fintech and modern SaaS. Before joining Costa Nova, Amy ran North American sales strategy and operations at Zora, a public enterprise software company. Prior to that, she spent time investing in growth stage technology companies at Summit Partners, where her investments included Podium, InfoArmor, and Onyx Maps. She began her career on Wall Street working at JP Morgan, where she spent time as a technology investment banker and as a cash equities trader focused on biotech and financial services. Welcome to the show, Amy. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Kicking right in, I think we've seen that your career so far, uh, starting from you securing an analyst position at one of the top investment banks, J.B. Morgan, right out of college, is a path that a lot aspire to follow. Curious to hear how you thought this experience influenced your professional development and interests going forward. Absolutely. It had a big impact. And I think the biggest thing for me was work ethic. I had always worked hard. I worked hard in high school. I worked hard in college. But the level of intensity that investment banking requires is beyond anything I had experienced previously, for better or or for worse, honestly. But I think it instilled in me that very high standards for the quality of my work and that even under pressure, even under time constraints, I could produce high quality work. And it left me with this understanding of what good looked like when it came to models or decks or even timeliness around deadlines um, and kind of managing up, I think, as well. And so most of it was really around how to work hard and how to produce high quality work. And um, I think the second part of it was camaraderie and understanding how perhaps the most important aspect of those early jobs that you have when you're just out of college is building a network and meeting people that hopefully will be lifelong friends and certainly lifelong um, contributors to your personal network. That's very well put. And Having done uh, invest like consulting, which is not exactly similar to banking, but on the same lines of the hard work that you put in, I completely agree to your point that it brings in the rigor and the discipline for you to channel your energies and focus on the right things and, and kind of focus your efforts towards the output that basically is generated. So that's very well put. Um, from JP Morgan, you moved on to Summit Partners. And even as an associate there, you were able to spot several companies that grew into large successes. So to start with, Kudos and congrats there. But curious to hear from you that what do you attribute your success in selecting those at while your time at Summit? At bats, honestly, I think reps and, and repetition, one of the things that gets drilled into your head at Summit Partners or Insight or any of these growth equity firms that are sourcing focused is that you know, output equals, you know, your, your output will be equal to the number of companies that you called and talked to. And I think I initially rolled my eyes a bit at that, you know, quantity over quality approach, but it works, right? And these firms have been around for, for 40 or 50 years and that approach works. And I eventually took that to heart after a few really hard months when I first started. And 
once you get the reps of talking to a bunch of companies, your pattern recognition just starts to get better and you start to learn what the partner's like. You start to learn that there are really interesting, you know, diamonds in the rough that you can find out there that fit the profile. Um, and one of the ones that I ended up investing in is a company called Podium in Salt Lake City that's um, a, a large company today valued at over a billion and a half dollars. And when I met it, it was six people and a, a pretty bad product. Honestly, the CEO would not be offended by me saying that he knows that. Um, and, and, you know, kind of cultivated that relationship over the course of almost a year and finally ended up investing. And I think the, the core learning from that was, this was a company that was off the beaten path and, but they were growing incredibly quickly, but the product wasn't super well-formed, even though customers were buying it, it was a pretty thin product and they didn't have a ton of features. It was a you know low, low ASP, a couple hundred dollars a month type product selling to car dealerships, but the team was ferocious and their growth was like nothing we'd ever seen before. And Despite some of the you know technological concerns, the proof was pretty clearly in the pudding that um, customers wanted this product and were willing to pay for it. So, you know, I think the learning from that one in particular was just being persistent. They didn't respond to my first four or five outreaches, and finally did. Uh, but it took persistence and it took a lot of outbound cold emails to other companies to find that first one. That's really exciting to hear. I, I completely agree that there is no replacement to hard work. You have to put in the hours and probably with experience, you get a little smarter on where to put the hard work, but the hard work continues. So that's exciting. Um, and now to your current venture, Costa Noah Ventures, where you're working as an early stage investor. It focuses on seed and series A investments. What about this investment stage really drew to you and it has managed to sustain your time there so far. Um, as a principal at the firm, what really excites you at maybe this stage or if there is a sector focus, what about Costa Noir really excites you right now? I love early stage. I think there's so much excitement and intellectual curiosity that that you get to enjoy in a really early stage role where you're helping founders shape ideas potentially talking to founders before they've even decided what it is they want to start. And being a part of that ideation process is, is really thrilling and exhilarating for me. And I think I knew that a little bit from my time at Summit because I really liked meeting companies early, but I wasn't able to invest until you know two or three years later. And so there was always this frustration of, hey, I'm meeting these great companies, but I can't invest. And so Costa Noa felt like a, a great um, mixture of that where I could still look at Series A companies, but also spend a lot of time at Seed and and even working with entrepreneurs before, as I said, before they've started to, to start something. So love the ability to have hopefully impact, or so I like to tell myself, uh, impact as these entrepreneurs are starting things uh, and then be really involved from an early stage. And I think the last thing I would say is that as a more junior investor, your ability to have an impact on these companies, I think is outsized at the early stage. And my ability to build really close relationships with these CEOs and founders and co-founders 
is different than it might be if they were larger, more more fully formed, more polished organizations. So I, I just love the the outsized impact I'm I'm able to have. Completely agree. And I think for personally, the difference for me between stages is that you take higher risk when you're doing early stage because you're probably betting just on the teams at the at the highest level. But then the returns you get are also disproportionate. So kind of that kind of takes away uh, the risk that you take. So high risk, high reward, early stage. Later stage, it, it gets a little uh, boring, I would say, for a lack for the lack of a better word. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think that's right. The the that's one thing that's taken a lot of adjusting to for me is the the risk reward trade off, as you said, is very different. And understanding how to calibrate what type of risk you should be taking at seed in particular took a while for me to learn. And I think I think we're all still learning, right? As the markets evolve and as seed rounds get bigger, as we're funding companies earlier and earlier, you know, there's always people joking that you know, you're investing in people before they've graduated from high school. But, you know, the, the, the joke is somewhat real, right? A lot of times you're investing in companies that it might be two founders and a pitch deck and not much else and learning how to calibrate when it's okay to take that time of, type of risk has been has been hard, but it's but it's really exciting. Completely agree. Um, changing gears a little bit, um, curious to hear how has your experience experience been as a woman in the VC industry? Um, what improvements have you noticed and what developments remain to be accomplished as per you? I guess at this point, I've been in VC for almost six years in total, which is crazy uh, to, to think about. So I think over that time period, certainly the number of women in venture has increased, which I'm so grateful for always has obviously been a huge part of that. And and I do think that v- VC firms in general have been working hard at improving uh, the the diversity of their teams. I, you know, one anecdote, when I started at Summit, I was the only woman in the Menlo Park office on the investing team out of 25 investors. And when I left, I was one of six women. So over the course of three years, again, it was mostly at the junior level, but, but the amount of uh, added effort some of it coming from me um, that was put into recruiting women, retaining women, and working really hard to diversify, especially at the associate level, where there's just really no excuse for having an, an all-male investment team at the associate level, um, changed a lot. So I think overall, the industry has is on the right trajectory. We're not there yet, uh, by any means. Where I think the real problem still lies is at the more senior level. I I frequently see team pages with no females above the associate level or maybe the senior associate level. And I think a lot of people think that diversifying the junior ranks is how you get diversity. But unfortunately, the problem's at the top. And there are a lot of women that, that don't get promoted or decide to lose leave venture or try go to a different firm. And so if you're only recruiting women at the most junior level, I don't think it's going to solve the diversity problem in the industry. We have to change the check writers and the partners and holding firms accountable. Uh, hopefully LPs do this, hopefully founders do this, but ho- holding them accountable to having you know, hopefully at least one woman or maybe 50% one day at the top, I think is is the goal. So the answer is it's getting better, but but we're not there yet, in my opinion. 
can't agree more there and any that's a great catch that while the numbers seem to be improving we probably need to split the hair and really see what the true picture is across levels um and while we say that we should have 50% women or one in whatever number of women even at the gp level the catch is that it's all for a business cause i mean there is business case to saying that we need more women because the diversity of perspectives brings better business and better judgment so it's not that they should do it for dei initiatives they should do it just to be better investors at the heart of it um and and finally like women like yourselves amy i mean 6 years into the industry you've already become a principal at coast to know i think uh women like you who are leading the effort and literally are torch bearers for the effort is something we look forward to as well so um there are women looking forward to where you go to and and take other women with you with your initiatives so um that's that as well um so thanks for that one final question on the same note turning the tables a little bit that what advice would you have for women who are aspiring to get into the ecosystem both at an initial level or even trying to progress um up the ladder what advice would you have for them ask for help i think is the biggest one whether you're in the industry looking for mentors or on the outside looking in reaching out to people whether it's a cold email or a warm intro that you've gotten through a friend of a friend or whatever whatever you need to do but you know finding those people who are going to lift you up and i certainly have benefited from those people i hope i I hope I'm paying it forward and I hope to keep paying it forward, but I think not being afraid to ask is the most important thing and then maybe the second is is doing your homework and staying persistent. These these jobs are few and far between unfortunately and you know there's a lot of hiring at the junior level but particularly at a more senior level there aren't that many and so staying persistent don't give up if it's been 6 8 10 months a year 2 years and you're still trying to get into the industry just stay persistent keep learning keep learning in the job that you're in currently and continue to cultivate relationships with the you know more senior or even junior people in the industry that can kind of lift you up with them it's uh, and i think for people in the industry finding mentors both female and male i think is really important because Unfortunately our industry is still really male dominated and so if you're only relying on female mentors that that may not be enough I think finding a sponsor and a mentor in a position of leadership at a at a firm or wherever it maybe it's a founder right that can that can help you as well whoever it is in the ecosystem that you can rely on to help you make judgment calls but also hopefully help sponsor your career I think is is really important that's completely fair and just trying to give the benefit of doubt to all our male counterparts i feel like they're all really really supportive and cooperative i mean if you ask for a helping hand they are very happy to lend it out so i completely agree with you that just be vocal um and try and reach out for wherever you're stuck and continue to ask for help um super this has been an amazing conversation amy thank you so much for joining us before we let you go and end the session we have a small rapid fire round um just a few questions casual fun um and exciting So the first one is super simple um are you a are you a mountain person or a beach person mountain love it what's your are you like a hiker and and what's the your favorite spot that you go for hiker and a skier uh the easy answer is i just love tahoe but i think my favorite place in the world is probably british columbia 
Nice. I'm probably thinking of a Colombia trip sometime end of the year. So looking forward to that. I'm a beach person myself though, but no, no harm in trying some hikes. But that's okay. fun. Um, which are the last two books that you read and were really inspired by? Ooh. Let's see. I just read, this is not inspiring. <laughs> this is probably the opposite of your question, but I just read The Premonition by Michael Lewis that is about, it's about COVID-19, but it's about the history of pandemic response in the United States and the work that George Bush did to put together a task force and what Obama did. And it was I'm ruining your rapid fire here by rambling, but um, but it was really interesting and an interesting insight into something I think a lot about, which is how we all think the government's, we don't all think this, a lot of us think the government's coming to save us. And I think in these situations, it might not be. So it was good insight into where the public, you know, public market fails, perhaps the private market can step in. So it was, it was inspiring from sort of like a health tech standpoint. Um, and then the other one was Breath by James Nestor, which is all about changing the way you breathe to change your life, which is fascinating and I highly recommend. Very interesting. Uh, and the last one, um, what's your one life mantra? Well, you can see this because you're on camera, but I'm wearing a necklace and on the back of it, it says show up. And that is my mantra is that if you don't show up, you can't get anything done. You can't reach your goals. You can't be a good friend, partner, family member, uh, and professional. So show up. I just love it. Love it. It's, it's amazing. I'm glad we're ending it on such a positive and high note. Thanks again, Amy. It was great pleasure to have you. And I'm sure our listeners will have a good time listening to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.